Hello and welcome to Farmland. On today's programme, I'll have a sit-down interview with Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture with responsibility for land use and biodiversity, Senator Pippa Hackett. Minister, thanks for joining us today. First, let me talk about the forestry licensing system in Ireland. There has been much criticism over the last couple of years in relation to it. And while strides have been made to improve the figures and the statistics and the applications granted, there's still a delay there with some private licensing. Um, a, an Oireachtas colleague, um, independent TD Michael Fitzmaurice, even went so far as to ask you to consider your position given the whole debacle, I suppose. And how feasible is it that the big logjam, pardon the pun, will be, I suppose, eradicated maybe by the end of this year and we'll be back on track with uh, forestry licences and planting. Well, I suppose it's important to remember that from 2019, due to court action, you know, the forestry licensing output was severely hampered. And when I entered office then the following year in 2020, there was a, an incredible backlog in the system. Um, and, you know, at that stage, there was a, 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 an immediate need to deal with the backlog and the appeals. And we did that. I introduced legislation, emergency legislation at the time. And within a number of months, that cleared that particular backlog. Um, the, the court case has really made our department have to redesign the whole licensing system and in a way that's, we're still in that process. Um, we've certainly increased the numbers of, um, of ecologists, you know, by, by many tens, um, forestry inspectors and so the resource implications were massive so we've, we've dealt with a lot of those as well. Um, besides the, the, that initial delay in the appeals, there was a, a, a really significant problem with the supply into the sawmill sector, which was threatening thousands of jobs. This is going back to the end of 2020. So that issue, I can f happily say, is, is not an issue anymore. We don't have a threatened sawmill sector. We don't have a threatened supply into the timber sector. Um, look, we're still we're still fixing those the problems that that have arisen in the past, and we're working really hard to do that. So we have, you know, we did increase our licenses output last year by by about fifty six percent, and we have made commitments as a department to double a forestation licenses for this year, um, and you know we're on track to do those things. And are we on track? Because I know that the targets have been missed month on month for for private licensing and afforestation and planting has been um, significantly down in recent years. Yeah, I suppose we, we don't do a month by month target. It is a, an overall annual target and there are there are ebbs and flows in how in how licenses are um, um, issued. But we certainly will be um, working incredibly hard to, to deliver those targets because ultimately we have to deliver the targets, not only for, for landowners and, and farmers in terms of receiving a licence, we also have the whole afforestation piece to deliver on in terms of climate action as well. Um, can I move on then just in terms of um, the burning of green waste in general? It, uh, an exemption, it's a story that we cover regularly on AgriLand. And um, I suppose with the, the, the climate change coming in, obviously we have to make changes. There has been an exemption for a number of years. Um, do you think that there will be an opportunity to farmers to switch to alternative methods? At the moment, we're getting a lot of criticism from farmers who say that, well, we don't have any alternative. This is what we do. It's just, you know, it's, I suppose, more organic waste that we're burning like scrub and stuff. 
would there be alternatives there available for farmers should they choose and move away from the burning of green waste? I mean, I think there are, there should be, and I, and I think it, it, there, there are possibilities there. We probably need to think a little bit more outside the box in terms of how we deal with that. And certainly I've tasked my department to come up with some options around that, um, you know, because a pile of, you know, green waste um, in one person's eye might be just taking up space and needs to be removed straight away. And then maybe in another person's eye uh, could be a habitat in itself. So I think we just need to maybe think more broadly about this. Um, the, obviously, the, the legislation is there. There's a derogation for this year it was extended. And, you know, it's something we're not going to be able to continue to do. So um, I would like to think that, you know, certainly my department would be able to come up with some options. And look, if anyone has options, it could be composting, it could be just uh, maybe leaving it there as a habitat and maybe there are supports around that but I think you know there are there are ways and means of dealing with this and I, I look forward to seeing some exciting ones. In relation to the organic farming scheme you're an organic farmer yourself um, Minister there probably isn't the uptake that maybe originally was envisaged for the organic farming scheme now there has been a 20% increase which is good to see but still the numbers I suppose are still relatively small what could be done to maybe convince more farmers to switch over to organic or to, to convert, I suppose, some of their land to organic? Um, many farmers might feel that they just wouldn't make the same margins with it. Um, I think when you look at the, again, if you look back at, at organic farming in Ireland, you know, we haven't really delivered very well on it. You know, we've been on or off about 20 years, you know, trying to build up the sector and we're still at a very small percentage of land area, less than 2%. And, you know, when I took office, maybe about 1,600 farmers, 16, 1,700 farmers. Now, since that, I, when I started, I said, look, we're going to have to start this straight away. I, I need the organic farming scheme opened. I pushed for that. I got that. And, you know, in two years, we've taken in 700 farmers. So, you know, it's, you know, 700 as a standalone figure might sound like a lot, but off a back of 1,600 is actually quite a significant improvement. We are, for the last two years, in a transitionary period. People are waiting for what's in the new cap. Um, I think they're, you know, there is a certain hesitancy there. But saying that, I think the more farmers we get in, the more conversations that happen, the more farm walks. I mean, I must commend my own department in Chagas and, and the organic certification bodies for running a whole series of farm walks this last, uh, you know, eight or nine months. And they're continuing throughout the summer. And that further engagement, that peer-to-peer, -peer, farmers talking to other farmers about it, I think we will absolutely see a, a, an increase um, in, in interest in it. Um, and even in the current environment we're in, in, in all senses of the word, um, it, it's going to be an option for, for many more farmers. So I, I you know, I think we're, we're making the moves to that. We're going to have a new scheme um, available to farmers at the end of, uh, or sorry, towards the end of this year, maybe around October time, I hope it opens. That will be the introduction to the, the new CAP scheme of it. So um, I think there's exciting times ahead. I think it's, it's, it's challenging, but uh, I think farmers, when they embrace it, it makes them think about their farming in a different way and so many farmers I've met when the, when they become organic or you know they, they it reignites their their passion for farming and minister you mentioned there that there may be a scheme at the back end of the year as part of the new cap recently um, the issue of organic eggs for example and supports for for organic um, egg farmers um, also kind of came up where they were looking for support and um, it was raised in the Iraq this do you think that that's something the government might consider well I, I think the main issue is in, in terms of the, the cost of feed um, because a lot of eggs nowadays are, are in fact a lot of them are actually free range as well you know there has been that shift in, in egg production in particular 
as the consumer has wanted, you know, we, we don't want the images of hens crammed into cages and so forth. And organics has helped a little bit with that and certainly free range. I think the cost, the input costs for, for poultry and certainly, you know, organic pig producers, we, we don't have very many of them, but they are out there is an issue. Um, and I think it's something I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on in terms of where we, if, if there are supports needed, we, we, we need to listen to those farmers. In terms then of uh, just switching, not specifically your focus, but obviously you're a member of the Green Party with the Department of Agriculture, in terms of solar supports for, for farming communities, uh, farming agribusiness, what can be done in terms of really igniting, I suppose, that interest in solar and making it a viable renewable energy option for farming? Now, there's a lot of complaints that, you know, TAMS doesn't go far enough, it's restricted and farmers can't feed back to the grid. Should that not now be considered given, I suppose, the times we're in, the cost of rising cost of energy and so on? I agree. I think the issue with the TAMS funded solar panels not being eligible, I think that's something we have to look at and 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 because that, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, we have been making inroads as a government into opening up um, the whole solar panels on roofs element. We're, we're shortly, um, I understand, to sort of clarify the legislation around planning permission on, on for solar panels on roofs. And that has been a, an issue, not just for farmers, but for schools and, and communities and, and, you know, who have decent sized roof space who could use it for solar panels, but, but have been sort of restricted by the planning requirements. And certainly the feed-in tariffs, I think, would be something that should entice, again, everyone and particularly farmers, um, you know, the micro-generation support scheme, there's going to be other schemes for, for more, you know, small generation of energy. Um, I think it's fair to say that there are there are farms around uh, with solar panels. They've been using them really effectively for their own um, own use. You know, if you're a you know a large dairy farmer, high energy use, or you know even pig and poultry units, again, it really delivers for them. And I think in this where we are now with the the input costs and the rising costs of energy, I think those farms are certainly reaping the the benefits of that. But I think in the future, yeah, it would be great to see, um, you know, certainly roofs in potential uh, covered with 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 solar panels and and supporting the farmers for their own use and then you know the excess fed back to the grid. Of course, the. Um Department of the Environment confirmed, um, I think it was just in the last week that they confirmed that the supports and the grants for small scale solar will be phased out, I think between 20, from 2024 onwards. Um, so will something else be introduced then or will it just be sort of abandoned? I think while, while solar, while, while we're in this, I suppose, race to decarbonize our, our energy sector in particular, I think we have to look at all, all options here. And you know, if the figures add up for, for solar panels on farms, I think it's something we'll, we'll still have to look at, you know, if we can encourage farmers to, to embrace solar panels, not for only for their own use, but for, for the, the grid, then, you know, I think, look, I don't think we'll be not looking at that, yeah. And Minister, biodiversity is another part of your portfolio. It's something that's become increasingly important in recent years as we try to tackle climate change and we see the value of biodiversity in our countryside. Many farmers have embraced it. A lot of biodiversity in Ireland at the moment seems to be in areas that are designated like SBCs and Natura 2000 um, areas. And farmers in these areas, particularly hill farmers are saying, it's a little more difficult for them to farm in these particular areas. They don't get the benefit that other farms would in, in different parts of the country. And the land value is also decreased somewhat because of the designations on it. 
Is there an opportunity for the government to consider some sort of support for these particular kind of farmers on hills areas or designated areas? Um, I think in a way we are putting those supports in place. I mean, if you look at the, the proposals around the new AECM in the next cap where we have the cooperation project areas and a lot of upland farmers might well find themselves in one of these areas that gets the, the extra support because we're recognising um, not only, I suppose, the high value, nature value of their land, but also that if we can support them to manage it in the way that delivers best for biodiversity. Because we do have incidents of, in some upland areas of overgrazing where the management practices aren't appropriate. So if we can reward farmers to, you know, put in the, to uh, adopt the correct management practices, then there's funding opportunities there. Um, I mean, even in, in terms of the, the, the changes we made to the organic farming scheme, I know it's not specifically a biodiversity scheme, but I mean, we, we extended, we reduced the minimum stocking rate uh, for organic farming fr from this year. So you, you don't need to have the, the old one was 0.5 a hectare, you know, livestock unit per hectare. Now it's down to the same as the ANC, 0.15. That, that has opened the door, I think, for, for hill farmers to become organic. And a lot of them w may not have to do an awful lot. You know, they, they'll have to do some changes, but it mightn't be such a big um, effort for them to become organic. And I think, you know, that's something that I think some hill farmers could look into as well. But certainly, I think there are lowland areas as well that we need to be supporting farmers to, to um, you know, protect the biodiversity. Um, but I, th I think there are opportunities there for, for upland farmers, yeah. Minister, you're a member of the Green Party and obviously one of the coalition partners. I think somewhat between the farming community and the Green Party, there seems to be a disconnect at times where, you know, vice versa, the Green Party maybe don't get rural farmers as well as rural farmers don't get the Green Party. And, and it can sometimes cause discord. Now, many farmers obviously appreciate the environment and they understand, I mean, they're, they're farmers, they're of the land, they want to protect it as much as anyone else. Is there any way that we could um, I suppose, see a way of finding that disconnect and, you know, adjusting it slightly. Is there a way that we could change perspectives on both sides? Um, I think, well, if I look back to even our last party convention, it, okay, it was all online because it was uh, during COVID times, but, um, you know, we had a session on, on agriculture. We invited uh, farmers in to speak, um, you know, so they could get their side of the story and there was a feed, uh, you know, an over and back in terms of Q&A. I think the fact that, that I'm a farmer myself, I would like to think it would help to, to, to break down some of those barriers. And indeed, we have, uh, you know, quite a few farmer members of, of the Green Party, which people find quite surprising, but we do. Um, and they're, you know, they're probably farmers doing it in different ways and uh, trying things that maybe haven't always been available for farmers to try. Like, you know, we have a couple of farmers who are, have been doing multi-species swords, for example, for, for many years. And, and now, look, it's great to see my department leading out on that with supports for that type of measure. You know, farmers who've been doing um, regenerative practices, biological practices, you know, which aren't recognised as a specific way to farm, but they see it works well for them. And, and they inform a lot of our members about, about um, farming practices that they feel works for them and works for, for, for nature, if you like. But I do think it is important to to emphasize really that you know the greens you know they they do take a lot of flack and they're they're pitched as being anti-rural and anti-farmer and, and ultimately they're not really because they absolutely have to be able to where we need the action to deliver most of the green policies is in is in our rural areas and we want to absolutely embrace the farming communities and the, the rural uh, communities to be, enable us to do that. So it's not in our benefit to to have this discourse as you say um, and I think 
I think maybe the longer we, we can deliver through through the programme for government, um, um, through through my work in the in the department, you know, I would like to think, you know, farmers will say, oh, well, yeah, maybe the Greens weren't so bad after all. You know, if we can flash forward maybe ten, five or ten years and see what we're putting in place now through our involvement in this coalition government, I think we will hopefully be in a better place and farmers will look back saying, ah, yeah, they weren't too bad. And do you think that farmers will come along this journey in terms of trying to reach, reach um, net zero maybe by 2050? Do you think that from your experience, and as you said there, you know, the Green Party gets a lot of flack and um, as a politician, no more than every other politician, I'm sure you get a lot of criticism as well. But do you see the tide of change? Do you see positive moves by farmers? Because sometimes they feel a little vilified and I'm sure the ones who are doing an awful lot of work on tackling their environmental um, methodology and everything mm -hmm. feel a little bit lost in the conversation. Absolutely and look it, it is a, it, it's a sensitive issue and I, I, I completely accept where, where farmers come from on that. I mean I suppose I've spent my time as Minister well, when, we, when we could travel eventually getting around to farmers on the ground, seeing what they do, listening to their stories, seeing how how they moved from maybe one system to another, and and the journey they went through, and it's those stories that that all farmers need to hear, not just me. Um, I think there's there's scope in that, and I think the more farmers I see. Uh, changing how they do things. We're not, we're not asking anyone to stop being a farmer. We're not asking anyone to, to, to stop producing livestock. I mean, we need the livestock on the land. And I'm a, personally a great believer in that interaction. That is part of the ecology. Problem is we haven't done it always very right. We've, we've, we haven't, but we're learning. We, there are some wonderful examples. You know, my department's learning from, from what works, particularly through those EIP style projects. You know, when you get farmers in areas and catchments and landscape level approach, working collectively, working together for a common good, um, it's so effective. Um, maybe we've isolated farmers a little bit um, with a sort of one-size-fits-all type of approach and I think that's they're the learnings we are now bringing through to the next uh, round of the cap and there will be learnings there we'll bring on to the next one but ultimately you know we're only going in one direction here um, and when you look at things like biodiversity and water quality um, they're not nice-to-haves they're must-haves you know and as a country we're going to have to embrace that and we are I think we are embracing it maybe not as quickly as some would like but you know, it's 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 a step by step process, but people shouldn't shouldn't feel or be vilified. Um, um, and you know, if if in doubt, you know, have a conversation with someone who's doing something different, and, and ask them how how is it going? How are you managing without so much fertilizer? How are you, you know, managing your land without, uh, you know, at a lower stocking rate? Or how you know, just ask questions. And I think if we can facilitate those conversations, that would be useful. And finally, Minister, I might ask you, because I asked your colleague, uh, Minister Martin Hayden as well, when he joined us on Farmland, about your portfolio and what you want to achieve during your, your term. Um, they say a week is a, a long time in politics, mm -hmm. but I suppose three years could be a lifetime. And I no doubt feel that you have your personal goals that you want to achieve as a Green Party member and as a Minister of State in the Department of Agriculture within that time. Mm -hmm. What would you like to see as the change that you instigated in government? Um, it's a good question because when I think back to the programme for government formation talks and I was, you know, I led my own party's 
uh, agriculture talks on that and you know it's all well and good throwing out we want this and we want this and we want agreement on this and before we knew it we had a huge massive document and but it's the delivery of that that is important so I mean for me I suppose obviously if we can hit our targets in terms of organic farming and, and keep going that that's an important aspect not just for so we did it it's so we've actually created the environment that farmers have embraced a different way perhaps and maybe not such a different way for for many of them but they, they, they've embraced it and and they enjoy it you know ultimately we want happy farmers you know as well as a happy environment that that's crucial um look the forestry i'd love to get that you know back on on a track that that, that going to deliver because we have the targets there are, are really really substantial you know we are a long way off our, our annual committed targets you know even this year we we will be again probably so it's just about getting that on the right track and delivering and again it's about having happy farmers and happy landowners that they don't feel this is a waste of time I'm not engaging with that because of the problems you know let's get rid of the problems and then let's let's engage um, and I think it would be lovely to see um, the the development of the of that sort of EIP model through our new AECM but you know we I don't know if you've seen the, the, the there's there's like map of Ireland and it has certain areas which are going to be where the cooperation measures. Eventually, I'd love to see that all blurged out in different, you know, where we fill the gaps in and every farmer is is working collectively with their neighbour or, or, you know, in a catchment to deliver for that area. And I think when you get that collective um, working together, you find water quality improves, you find biodiversity improves and you probably ultimately find that uh, emissions go down. Absolutely. Just before you go, as you mentioned that uh, EIP model, anecdotally, we're getting feedback back that that's a model that farmers like. Mm -hmm. It seems to work. It's proving very popular from ground up rather than yes. top down. No disrespect, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it seems to be something that catches on within particularly rural communities. I think you're right. And I think it's that ground up level is because you, we involve the farmers from the start and, and they actually, because they know their land, they know their areas, they collectively come up with the approaches, you know, with the guidance of maybe ecologists or scientists or water experts or hydrologists or whoever that may be they ultimately agree and come up with the plan and they have ownership on it rather than being you must do a b and c and Absolutely. then we might give you a few quid you know this is they, they own it and they're, they're passionate about it and I, I think that has shone through through all those eips and and, and certainly ireland is recognized as a leader in europe for our delivery we're you know we're, we're heralded all the time on it so that's that's a good thing to pat ourselves and, and farmers on the back fantastic minister pippa hackett thank you very much for joining us on farmland today thank you that's all from Farmland for now. You can stay informed of all the latest agricultural news on agriland.ie or the Agriland app on your smartphone. <music>